to the Martyrs uh, newsletter this month. It has to do with serving the youngest members of our persecuted family. And there are pictures of children here who have survived uh, uh, almost being killed. Almost all the family is killed. Uh, there's this one girl I just was struck by this picture because, you know, at first glance she kind of looks a little like, like Bianca to me. And so I was thinking, I said, boy, she's pretty. And then I noticed the pe- picture at the bottom was uh, where she was injured in a fire. They tried to burn the entire house down. And she was burned over 40% of her body. And uh, Voice of the Martyrs provided medical care for her. Amen. So that she is 100% restored. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <clears throat> she was a Hindu uh, living in, uh, let me see, where was she at? In India. And so it says, during one attack, radicals threw a bomb into 10-year-old uh, Namrata's home. And she hid in the bathroom. She was severely burned over 40% of her body. They provided medical care for her. She decided to dedicate her life to sharing the gospel. So she shares Christ with people. This is a young man by the name of Nanpak. He was eight years old when he was uh, involved in an incident. Eight-year-old Nanpak watched his mother lie face down on the ground as a screaming Islamic rioter ran toward them. Her cheek was stained with dried blood from a gunshot wound and she looked physically and emotionally drained. They had slept on the ground for the last two nights while fleeing marauding rioters. And they had just heard heartbreaking news. Rioters had killed his father. When he saw his mother lie down out of fear and exhaustion, he did the same. The Muslim rioter running toward them knew that they were Christians and that Nanpak's father was a pastor, so he immediately attacked them with a machete. Assuming he had killed Nanpak as well as his mother, brother and sister, the attacker finally walked away, but there was only one survivor. This, uh, when Nanpak regained consciousness, he knew his mother, sister, and brother were dead. Bleeding from machete wounds and the gunshot wound he had suffered the day before, he hiked through the bush to find help, eventually arriving at a friend's house. After receiving treatment, he moved in with an uncle until Voice of the Martyrs helped him enroll in a boarding school in a safe area. Voice of Martyrs supporters, uh, supports many persecuted believers in northern Nigeria by providing medical care, food, and living expenses, schooling, vocational training and spiritual encouragement he has now completed high school and hopes to become a doctor so he can care for persecuted christians he is ready to serve wherever god calls him i don't really need to be afraid he said i was the only person who was able to escape i believe god has a reason Nantak thinks often of his family and especially misses his father. Many times he went from one place to another speaking the word of God, he recalled. Whenever he was at home, we spent much time discussing the word of God. His father also taught his children to live peacefully among Muslims. He always told us to love one another, to share the good news. Nantak hopes that uh, those who hear his story will pray for persecuted Christians. I would like people to pray for the persecuted in Nigeria and in other places because it is not only Nigeria that is suffering persecutions. I think it is sometimes that the whole world needs to care about. 
Luis uh, ministering in Colombia in guerrilla zones. As the sound of gunfire grew louder, 10-year-old Luis and his brother ran to their room and crawled under their bed. They knew the gunfire meant guerrilla fighters from the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, FARC, were again attacking their small jungle village. When soldiers from the Colombian army arrived to repel the attack, the guerrillas took the boy's father hostage to aid their escape. Although they released him four hours later, fighting between the guerrillas and government forces dragged on for days. Many of Luis's friends were killed in the attack. Luis found true peace in Christ at age 13 and immediately felt the need to help people in villages like his who had suffered from the decades-long insurgency. He told me he was my God and my Father and he would always be there for me, Luis said. I felt the love of God come back in my life. Using his small savings, Luis bought books, games, and other items to distribute in his old village, which remained under threat. He also brought New Testaments and gave them to everyone he met, including police officers, soldiers, and guerrilla fighters. I told him, Jesus still loves you despite all the pain you have caused, he said. I was scared, but I thought if I die, I die with Christ. Now 27, Luis serves as a pastor in an area controlled by a paramilitary group. He assumes members of the group attend his weekly church services, listening to what he says and reporting back to their authorities. And he knows they could decide he is a threat at any time and give him 24 hours to leave, as they have done with many other pastors. I'm not scared. It's my passion. I have a call from God to preach in these high-risk areas. I desire to keep on reflecting Christ. Louise has a special heart for others ministering in difficult areas. Although still young, he already facilitates training for pastors working in conflict zones. So that's Louise's story. It says, uh, remember to pray for the youngest members of our persecuted family, children in Nigeria, Colombia, Iraq, Syria, the Sudan, North Africa, Southeast Asia, Sri Lanka, Laos and China, uh, they're all requesting prayer for them. This is the story of Rachel who was threatened at gunpoint. She was persecuted at age eight in Vietnam. Rachel's heart raced as four police officers burst through the front door and charged upstairs to the room where she and other church members were listening to her father preach. After ushering all of the believers into one room at gunpoint, the policeman arrested Rachel's father, Pastor Hugh, for subverting Vietnam's communist government by preaching the gospel. The sight of her father in handcuffs with a gun to his head was more than the eight-year-old girl could take. As the officer gripped her father's arm, opening his car door, she bit him as hard as she could. Give me back my father, she shouted, before biting his lower leg hard enough to leave teeth marks through his pants. Don't hurt me, you stubborn girl, he led. Let him go, Rachel's mother urged. Your father will will come home. Pastor Hugh calmly reassured his worried daughter, do whatever your mother tells you. I will be home soon. Reluctantly, Rachel obeyed her parents. She sat on the ground and watched through tear-filled eyes as officers pushed her father into the black vehicle and sped away. Though her father's arrest shocked Rachel, it wasn't the first time she had seen authorities oppose his ministry. She was also present one day when police raided a church service, pointing guns at worshipers and demanding everyone's Bibles and hymnals. 
They threatened to shoot anyone who didn't comply. With Rachel's father in prison, her family lives became more her family's lives became more difficult. In order to provide for the family, her mother had to walk into the jungle each day to t- peel bark off trees. Then she used the bark to weave baskets that she sold at the market. Since the prison was far away, Rachel was able to visit her father only once. During the visit, visit she began boldly. She again boldly spoke her mind, even to the prison guards. Seeing this, Pastor Hugh encouraged his daughter to play, pray. Please pray for me and be careful what you say. I always want to serve the Lord. Pray that God will give me opportunities to tell others of him in prison. His Christ-like heart continued to influence Rachel, even from a prison cell. Three years after his arrest, a man with a long beard knocked on Rachel's door. Although she didn't recognize him at first, her older brother knew immediately that it was their father. Overjoyed by his return, Rachel embraced him tearfully. Today, more than two days, decades after his imprisonment, Pastor Hugh is still monitored by authorities looking for reasons to harass his congregation. This week, Voice of Martyr workers spoke with the family. They had just been called to the police station again. Rachel, now 33, has adopted her father's bold yet quiet faith. She encourages other youth to remain strong in Christ and never deny him. Understanding the importance of nurturing young children in their Christian faith, she leads a children's ministry at their church and trains new teachers. She also cares for a group of very poor believers who live in the mountains. They were forced to flee their villages after becoming Christians. Rachel forgave the man who arrested her father long ago. If I met him again, I would be kind to him, she said. I have forgiven him, but the forgiveness I have comes from the Lord. While in prison, Pastor Hugh led 285 inmates to Christ. Rachel considers that a lesson in how God is always in control, using all things for good. I learned many things, she said, but most importantly, to be ready and prepared for whatever would happen like suffering. Everything happens under the Lord's hand. Amen. Your children are never too young to learn these lessons. They're important lessons to learn. Susan, a prisoner for six months in Uganda. That's Susan. The thin 13-year-old girl shifted painfully in the dark, trying to remember how long she had been locked up. Although she wasn't exactly sure, she knew it had been months. Her stomach rumbled with hunger, and she hoped that her brother might soon slip another roasted banana under the door. Her father hadn't fed her since locking her in the cramped space. Soon after Susan came to know Christ in 2009, her Muslim father began to beat her, once even threatening to kill her with a knife. After trying for months to persuade Susan to deny Christ, he finally locked her in a small space in their mud shanty. Six months passed before neighbors realized what was happening to Susan and notified the police who rescued her and took her to a hospital. A pastor who visited her immediately after her rescue said she was extremely thin and unable to walk or talk. Her hair had turned yellow. She had long fingernails and sunken eyes. She looked very slim, less than 45 pounds. Sadly, Susan's story is not unique in Uganda. While 85% of the country's population is Christian, 
Those who convert from Islam to Christianity face persecution and physical abuse from family members if they convert from Islam to Christianity. Susan suffered from untreated malaria while locked away in the small room and the months of calcium deficiency affected her growing bones. After two major operations on her left femur, she can now walk with crutches. Voice of Martyr paid Susan's medical bills and provided funds that enabled her to travel to a hospital in Kenya. We also provided living expenses for her and her Christian caregiver, caregiver Dreda. She and Dreda relocated to another village where Susan is protected from her father. Through all of her difficulties, Susan has held on to her faith. I feel very well, she said with a smile, because I'm now with Christ. A voice of martyr worker who visited Susan in July says she remains faithful but is experiencing some new challenges with her bones. Early next year, she is scheduled to return to Kenya for a review of her condition and additional care. This girl has gone through a tough time, the worker says. She has, however, stood firm no matter what she had to go through, including rejection by her father, subjection to walking by crutches. She has pulled through and is growing stronger in the Lord every moment. Those who have cared for Susan have helped her realize that God will never leave her in her time of need. Thanks to Voice of Martyr's supporter, she is finishing 7th grade at a school equipped to handle her special physical needs and getting her life back on track. Susan shares her story in churches around the country and encourages other believers to continue to pray for persecuted Christians. She hopes someday to be able to share the gospel with her father and others who hurt her. I'm happy with life now, she says. I didn't know that it... that. I did not know that I will be back to school. Whenever I was taken to the hospital, I knew my life would be even harder. But God is great. I am still strong. Thank you so much for looking after my life. Your money and prayers are so good to me. Please continue praying for me. I want to study hard and get to university so that I can help other young people who are like me. God bless you so very much. Dreda, Susan's caregiver, said that she, too, is grateful for the help Voice of the Martyrs has given Susan. Since Voice of the Martyrs came in to support her, we have been so fine. We have been to the hospital many times because of Susan's health, but God is faithful because the support we receive has been sufficient to cover us. Thank you for your love, and may God always be with you. Voice of Martyrs continues to help children like Susan who are abused and abandoned by their parents after coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So those are all of our prayer needs. So we're praying for the children of persecuted, uh, serving the youngest members of the persecuted family. So we pray for them today. I'm going to share this one uh, story with you, and then we'll have our break for lunch. This is from uh, one of... uh, uh, Hold on. I forget what the on button is. <laughs> one of Richard uh, Wormbrand's uh, books. Show which one it is. Uh, this one is called Alone with God. Now these are just meditations, stories. Uh, when he was alone with God, he says that he uh, wrote sermons, a sermon every night. And so in a year's time, he had over 365 sermons. Uh, he didn't have anything to write on, so he would preach them to himself. And then when he got out, God gave him word for word what he had preached. Amen. 
Holy Spirit's so good. Amen. So he's able to share those things with us. It says, uh, this one is called Measure and Delicacy. Dear brethren and sisters, Mary Stewart, uh, she was Queen of Scotland and England at the time. It was in the 1500s or something. And uh, Do you know if she was a Protestant or a Catholic, Miss? She was Catholic? Yeah, she was a Catholic, and at that time, the English were having wars over who was going to rule and what religion they were going to call uh, that nation. And so one day you're in, one day you're out, as Miss Heidi Klum would say, uh, because people could just come and decide they didn't want you anymore. And so she was uh, ruled out, and she was uh, being hanged uh, for that. And Mary Stewart accidentally stepped on the toes of the henchman when she was on the scaffold. It is said that her last words were, I beg your pardon, sir executioner. She was a queen. Her good breeding was instinctive. Got me? Her good breeding was instinctive. Whether this man was getting ready to murder her or not, it was in her to forgive. Amen. Likewise, Christians, children of the heavenly king, show meekness when they were, are ill-used. Christians simply love and shine. They do so even when, like their master, they wear a crown of thorns and have in their hand a reed for a scepter. Believers also show kindness to those doomed by God. God said to Moses, Rise, take your journey, cross over this river Arnon, Look, I have given into you uh, your hand, Sion the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and engage him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven, who shall hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. And Moses sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sion, king of Heshbon, with words of peace. You got me? God had given him authority over these people, but he sent words of peace. Moses had been given the order to destroy the king, but as in the case of Pharaoh, God allowed Moses to offer peace and an amicable agreement to the heathen king. It is permissible to send words of peace even to those utterly rejected by the Creator. The Christian is engaged in warfare as long as he lives on this earth, but his role can be compared to that of of a military physician. He has to give medicine and comfort to the wounded on both sides. Such Christian, Christian delicacy has produced changes in the heathen world. Mahatma Gandhi wrote, it was the New Testament which really awakened me to the rightness and value of passive resistance and love toward one's enemies. In 1908, when he was almost murdered by a Muslim, he did not prosecute the man nor give evidence against him. This forgiven murderer became a disciple of Gandhi. A similar story is told about the Christian Mrs. Rathenow. Her husband, finance minister of Germany, had been killed. Got to wait for this to load up again. Finance minister of Germany had been killed by a Nazi only for the crime crime of having Jewish blood. 
Mrs. Rathano cared for the murderer in prison and defended him. During the war, this murderer became a leader of the Gestapo in Marseille, France. He atoned for the evil done in the past by helping multitudes of Jews escape, with the result that in the end he was hanged. Edmund Campion, English Jesuit, betrayed by a Catholic turned Protestant, was three times tortured on the rack. Then he was sentenced to be hanged, drawn, and quartered. The Te Deum was sung at, at this occasion, but the traitor had come to death row asking forgiveness. Campion gave it. He helped this denunciator escape the pursuers who sought revenge. He gave him a letter to a German nobleman recommending him for service. These are the attitudes God, God likes. They are at the opposite pole to that of the Spanish patriot uh, Navarez, who, when asked on his deathbed by his confessor if he had forgiven all his enemies, replied, Father, I have no enemies. I've shot them all. But there is a limit to Christian forbearance and charity. In the end, Moses killed Sion and his subjects because they were not responsive to delicacy. At times, we have to measure in love. One single devil whom we have pity can destroy a paradise. One day of softness and a nation can lose overnight its happy institutions built up through generations of struggle. Don't think it a virtue to be delicate only. When occasion demands, tell a devil in a high position that he is a devil. The good, y'all like that better. Tell what y'all, you know. The good pastor is the one who has the proper measure even in love. We read in Revelation 20 verse 3 that after the devil has fulfilled a thousand years in prison, he will be given a period of amnesty for a little season. But once free, he will start, a, he will start his wicked deeds again, gathering together the nations of the earth for another world war which only God can bring to a fiery end. Jesus is full of grace. One cannot find the right expression in English for describing how full of grace he is. In Hebrew, the singular mercy does not exist. The word is plural. Mercies. Nobody can attain from God only one mercy because he has only indivisible bushels of it. In the New Testament, the corresponding Greek word oikos. Oikitrimos is also frequently in the plural form. Shakespeare wrote that troubles come not singly, but in battalions. Likewise, a sin never occurs alone, but in the company of many others. And grace and mercy abound even more. But a plurality of mercies does not mean that there is no limit to them. The universe is constructed mathematically. We might not know how many stars there are, but there is a certain definite number. Jesus taught us to forgive much. He told us exactly, mathematically, how much to forgive. He taught us to not to remit indefinitely, but exactly 490 times. 7 times 7. 70 times 7. Where there are figures, we have a very precise teaching. Jesus was not full of grace alone, but full of grace and truth amen uh that's the name of our ministry hello 
Yeah, right. Remember where you are? Now John thought in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the letter V, which stands for and, is part of the following word. John wrote and truth as a single word. Grace that is not limited by the supreme interest that truth should triumph is a dangerous fancy. Do you hear that? Grace must be accompanied by truth. That's why we got a lot of greasy grace teachings. Always, We have always had them since the gospel was first preached. You got me? You have to be full of grace and truth. A man can love many things, but he can have a passion for only one. Results are achieved only if a man desires one thing exclusively and does not squander his energy simultaneously on a hundred other things. That's what's wrong with the world today. People are so wound up and busy. They're spread out in so many different areas. They master nothing and they really love nothing. Amen says, I admire the communists for concentrating all their efforts on the fulfilling of their supreme passion. Our passion is the triumph of Christ, the establishment of his kingdom, which necessarily includes the overthrow of everything that opposes it. We have a place for delicacy, for genuine love toward the enemy, but only in the measure to which this would not defeat our main purpose. To love the enemy so much as to enable him to overcome us is idiocy. I love my enemy, but I do not forget that while I spend my time preparing a series of good deeds for him, he prepares weapons to destroy my church. He might strike quickly and unexpectedly while I I indulge in sentiments of love. In extreme cases, in the heat of battle, the military doctor might be forced to shoot. He also is a warrior. We Christians have to adopt the military mentality, remembering how many are the metaphors about warfare in the New Testament. The weapons of our warfare, put on the whole armor of God. We wrestle having put on the breastplate, taking the shield and the helmet, the sword of the spirit. Let us put on the armor of light. In war, I don't admire so much the hero who dies for his fatherland as the one who lets the enemy die for his. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about? Remember Donald Trump got in trouble for talking about John McCain? Because he got captured, he said, I'd rather see somebody stay free. <laughs> Think about it says a hero is worth more than a dead a, a live hero is worth more than a dead one truth is exclusive with christ as our commander right is on our side and we must conquer we allow ourselves gestures of delicacy we nurture love for all men including our enemies with one limitation we must be victorious every gentle act that does not hinder this is welcome Got me? Be gentle as long as it don't hinder your victory. I remember the first Soviet officer I met. I asked him if he believed in God. I would not have minded if he had said no. Freedom is given to every man to say yes or no even to God. But he gave me the most amazing answer. 
We have no order to believe. If we get such an order, we will. I had met many typical Soviet men. I had met the typical Soviet men, a being who has been robbed of one of the greatest gifts ever given God to man to be an individual in his own right. He had been changed into a robot who waited for orders about what faith to embrace or reject. The communists don't know any sphere in which the individual is free. One has to be a Marxist even in art and science. Because of Einstein's discoveries, the universe we live in bears his name. Yet his book, as The World as I See It, is forbidden in communist countries because he expresses his belief in God. An incredible irony. Such a regime has to disappear. Brethren, do everything you can to this end. Don't ask, what can I, a single man, do? If everyone asked himself this, no collective good would ever be achieved. The regime must disappear. Therefore, love the communists, be gentle toward them, only in the measure to which this does not conflict with our main purpose. Robots must be changed into men again. Christ must be proclaimed and accepted freely. His kingdom must come. In the fourth century, the church had become a state institution. After having prayed and fasted many years, the first generation of monks who fled to the wilderness of Thabody from the corruption of the church gathered for counseling. St. Anthony the Great prompted them, let everyone say which Christian virtue he considers the highest. A few arose immediately and answered love. Others said humility and uh, obedience. Some put silence on the highest level. In the end, they asked St. Anthony, who had listened attentively to their debate, which in his opinion was, was the highest virtue, and this would prevail. All these virtues you have mentioned are excellent, St. Anthony said, but the highest is to have all things in the right measure. Therefore, measure your delicacy. The same Bible that teaches love and gentleness also forbids one to greet certain men, saying good morning to such men whom John describes, makes one a partaker of his evil deeds. John the Evangelist is said to have fled naked from a public bath when he saw Certinus, a heretic, entering. He did not wish to remain under the same roof with one who taught false doctrine. Delicacy then to a point, but uncompromising staunchness in matters of truth. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. I forgot my uh, prayer. Uh, if, if somebody can give me a uh, prayer protection against persecution, I'll, uh, we'll pray our prayer and uh, then we can. What time is it? What, what time do you have, anybody? What time is it? Okay. All right. Minus 2.15. And we'll receive the offering after we do our prayer, okay? And then we'll get on to our lunch. Praise God. Anybody got a manual with them or can find it fast? <laughs> it's always on the bottom when you got to leaf through a stack, you know. Got it? Thanks, No, Appreciate it. Rebecca, Praise God. Amen. 
All right, so we're going to pray our prayer. You guys pray in the spirit, and I'll pray in English. And we remember the children who've been persecuted, the youngest uh, members of our persecuted family. We're praying for them. Father, we thank you that we're praying for Susan. We're praying for, uh, uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're praying for Namatra. We're praying for Luis, Nanpak. We're praying for children in Nigeria, Colombia, Syria, Iraq, the Sudan, North Africa, China, Laos, Sri Lanka, and Southeast Asia. We're also praying for Rachel. We're praying for um, Susan and all of these children and others like them who have suffered under the hands of people who hate them for no reason. Just hate them because the devil tells them to hate. So, Father, we pray for protection against persecution. Thank you, Lord. We submit to God. Resist the devil and he must flee. We command you, devil, to flee from us seven ways. Vengeance belongs to you, O God. We resist retaliation against our accusers. We're serving you. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sit in the heavens are laughing. Behold, they're threatening, Lord. Stretch forth your hand to heal, O God. Do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. We declare that the way of the ungodly shall perish. They will fall by their own counsel. Lord, we thank you to judge the people. Judge us, O Lord. Judge us according to our integrity that is in us. Let the mischief of all spiritual forces who persecute your people everywhere they are return upon their own heads. Keep us as the apple of your eye. Hide us under the shadow of your wings. Thank you for teaching our hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in our arms. Thank you that you have given us the necks of our enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lives against us. Cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of the mouth. Stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against us without a cause and who hate us. Lord, we know that it's nothing with you to help. Help us, O Lord, my God. Save us according to your mercy. Let our hands prosper and prevail against our enemies. But the Lord is with us as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, our persecutors shall stumble. They shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they will never prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we know that these people who are protesting are really uh, persecuting your church. Father, there were so many Christians that voted for Donald Trump. And we thank you, Father, that we can see the enemy against the church underneath all of this foolishness. And Satan, we say you are exposed right now in the name of Jesus. You will never defeat the people of God. We curse the works of darkness. We curse your lies and your persecution. And we thank you, Father, that you will render us victorious, that we can be delicate but to a limit. But the most important thing is that we remain victorious in you and we stand against this. We speak against it. We say it will not prosper and prevail. We command these murderers and these thieves and these liars and these violent people to disperse in Jesus' name. Satan, we bind you. We see your violence and your intimidation. It will, it will rule no more. We thank you, Lord, that the Queen of Heaven has been knocked off her throne for causing people to uh, persecute and intimidate in the name of Jesus. 
your, uh, we, we command the shedding of innocent blood to stop in this nation. We will not be intimidated and we will not turn around. We will not remove ourselves and we will not quit until all your enemies are your footstool and we thank you. We pray that your soul's finances will dry up, that his organization that he gives money to will stop funding it, that they will be exposed and they will be sued and all the money taken away from them in Jesus' name. And we thank you and we bless you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen. Amen and amen again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> there is a, a lawsuit that has written, recently been filed by a police officer, and he is suing uh, uh, the Democratic organizations for feeding this. He's suing George Soros, Black Lives Matter, Al Sharpton. A number of people who just openly and publicly encourage violence. Uh, and amen. And this suit is, is going to be heard because it's been properly filed. And so we see law enforcement standing on their rights. They're not going to be kicked around. Amen. And it's a good thing they need to be respected. I don't care what people think. You know, you don't disrespect our, our laws because you think some people are guilty of something. You know, let the courts decide with you. That gives you no right to oppose uh, law enforcement people. They are representing us. Amen. So they're there to protect and serve. So praise God. Amen. So we're we're seeing some change, folks. I think people have sat around and watched things happen, and and uh, God has said, "Rise up and rise up in mass." So so keep praying. Our prayers are heard. You need to understand that we are never not heard by God. Amen. Praise God. So you got your offering envelopes? Amen. Everybody prepare something. Uh, I want to make sure people understand that don't ever sit in God's house without giving something. Amen. Uh, the, the, let me tell you why. It's not just because I said so and we need money and we always need money because we always have things to do for God. But the Bible says that if, if, if a minister sows spiritual fruit to you, they're entitled to reap your carnal. It's not just a free will. You're obligated then. So if you sit under somebody's word and under their ministry, you're obligated to fulfill, to give of your carnal fruit. But that's not just, you know, God says do it and there's no penalty. Guess what? If you withhold, God will withhold from you. So the same word you sit under will not be effective for you if you withhold and you don't give. And so I know sometimes you're used to paying bills first or whatever y'all get scared about. I don't know, but quit getting scared because your faith will never work consistently if you don't give consistently. And so I want everybody in here to give in this offering and don't start that nonsense about. And some of you, if you don't come, you think you don't have to give. I don't know what you think you're living off of between then and then but god is still looking out for you amen you're still expecting to live you're expecting to have a job you're expecting to be healthy so let's get our heads right and get things in the right perspective here and then you won't go wrong 
But if you're not at church, you still partake of the benefits. You're a child of the kingdom. Amen. And God has assigned you here. So in your absence, send your check with somebody. You can go on PayPal and give your offering. There are a lot of ways that you can give. And there's no excuse for it. Because then, you know, I hate it when people get start shying away and then they have that look on them. You know, when they've been absent from the house of the Lord, haven't been given, and then feel that guilt that comes over you. And that conviction that comes over you because you haven't been doing your part. Don't tell me it don't exist because I lived with it for years. You understand me what I'm saying? So don't tell me. Don't play with me on this. Because I know it does exist. You can't feel good when you don't do your part. Amen. Do your part and God will do his. Put him first. He'll always take care of you. You won't lack anything. You'll always have abundance and plenty. And you decide how big of a a return you get. If you give sparingly, you get sparingly. If you give abundantly, you get abundantly. Amen. So we want to send money this Christmas for Voice of the Martyrs. They have some programs. Amen. For the children. Amen. You know, we, we lavish and squander on our own children. And then we look at these little sad faces and feel bad for a minute. But we can do more. Amen. <laughs> we will send them some money for their Christmas things for these children. Amen. So that means put another zero behind what you're going to give or tear that check up and put add 10 or 20 to it. But we want to do this. And we're going to send it in very soon so that we can help these children. Do more than just say we're going to, but just do it. Amen? Like the Nike people say, just do it. Just do it. (laughs) And you'll be victorious. So Amos 9, 13 through 15. And claim this in your giving. Amen? It won't be long now. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. Amen? I was thinking the other day of some things that God had just put in my life that... I can't remember asking for, but but they were good things. They were blessings. And I can say it's been that way. You know, I'm not saying just 24 hours a day I'm getting stuff, stuff, stuff. But uh, things, I'll tell you, and they seem like small things, but to me, these impact me because I know God remembers me. But recently, uh, you know, at the Hawthorne, they've given me a discount. Uh, I only pay $50 a night for uh, my room when I come there and I used to come more often than I do but even with not coming as frequently um, they still and the the girl at the desk told me she says Pastor Barb I'm just going to charge you $40 for your room see that was recently that's 20 bucks a, a week that we don't have to pay for me to go up there so that I can service the church in Detroit and so these are things where when I think about it, God remembers. See, blessings like mountains, you know, pouring off mountains and hills. And, and these, are, these are good things. There are sometimes when I think to myself, I say, God, I've been coming here so long, I ought to be staying for free. And then I realize he's working on it. you got to be working on it. So praise God. So he says, you won't be able to keep up. And I'm looking forward to that. Everything will be happening at once and everywhere you look. Blessings, blessings like wine pouring off mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. 
and I'll plant them, plant them on their own land. They'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God, says so. He says so, says so, says so, says so. <laughs> Praise God. So, you know, we just need to really trust God and expect him uh, to do great things because he really, really wants to do uh, great things. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Miss Karen. God, well, you know what the Lord is telling me for you and Mr. Gary. Um, you're going to have some money you didn't expect coming soon. Unexpected money. Amen. Uh, from unexpected source. So praise God. Isn't that good? Like mountain, like uh, wine pouring off mountains and hills. <clears throat> Amen. So that's good. Praise God. All right. Lift up your offering envelopes. Father, we thank you. We bless you and we praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Miss Karen, God is saying he's paying you back from things way, way back. He's catching up with you. And he's catching up on the things that he intended. He said these are seeds you've sown from a long time ago. And that he's catching up. And he certainly will repay you, says the Lord. So, Lord, we do thank you that when we give, you see everything. And you'll make sure that we get everything that you owe us. It comes from your hand. Even though men may give unto our bosom, it comes directly from the hand of God. You just need to use man as a vehicle to get it to us. So we thank you for it, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So we're going to dismiss right after we receive the offering. Father, we thank you to bless our bread and our water, take sickness from the midst of us. And we thank you, Lord, that we will have a time of fellowship one with another as we partake of our lunch in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So you all know the horse you rode into. Go get your horse. Get the same horse you rode in on.